Welcome to Foothills Youth Podcast, where we help people follow Jesus. I hope these resources are a blessing to you. We are a student ministry based out of Northwest Calgary, and our hope, our desire, is that we see students become resilient disciples in a post-Christian nation. So may this podcast just be a blessing to you in your journey. Um, so, talking about what tonight could be like, and I was like, hey, Nick, what do you think uh, we should do? Com- like, th- thinking that we're like doing a worship night, should we talk about a different religion? Would that fit? <laughs> He's like, why don't you just talk about Christianity? So I was like, oh, that's a good idea. So, we're going to talk about Christianity tonight. The hard part about this is, is that we're looking in the mirror, so it's a lot easier to be critical about ourselves in this than it is. Uh, as it is different, the difference is we're not looking at another religious group and saying, oh, look what they do and trying to be respectful. The brutal part about this is, is we're going to talk about some things we say we do, but maybe don't do. And it's just like, as we look in the mirror together, I just want to encourage you. This isn't supposed to make you feel bad. This isn't supposed to make you feel guilty, but it's supposed to say, hey, maybe there's a part of your life that God wants to look at and change because he's got something going on. And so as we look at it tonight... Um, growing up, my idea of the church, maybe your idea of the church, isn't always what you think it should be. Or maybe it's not always what you thought it was going to be. In um, Growing up saying, hey, I read this in the Bible, but, you know, why doesn't the church or why doesn't Christianity seem to be doing that? So, we're looking in the mirror. James 1 talks about looking and listening to the word, hearing it and doing it, and those who don't are like people who look in a mirror and walk away and forget what they look like. I'm looking in the mirror. Will you look in the mirror with me? Problem is, about looking in the mirror is that we see everything that's wrong, right? I hate, I don't know, maybe you don't mind looking. Maybe you just love yourself and you love looking in the mirror, and that's cool. Uh, I don't judge you. But I would rather look at a picture of something that could be, like an idea of something that would look better in my mind, because it's like, oh, just tell me how to get there and I'll get there. But instead, sometimes the reality of a mirror is we have to look at, each other, look at ourselves as we are right now today. So we're looking at ourselves just as we are today. So if you have a Bible or you have it on your phone, I want you to go to Acts 8. Acts chapter 8. It's right after John, right before Romans, sort of in the middle of the Bible. If not, I will just read it for you. Acts chapter 8. So... Talking about Philip. An angel of the Lord spoke to Philip. He said, get up and go south to the road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is the desert road. So he got up and went. There was an Ethiopian man, a eunuch, and a high official of Cadence, queen of the Ethiopians, who was in charge of her entire treasury. He had come to worship in Jerusalem and was sitting in his chariot on his way home, reading the prophet Isaiah aloud. The spirit told Philip, go and join that chariot. When Philip ran up to it, he heard him reading the prophet Isaiah and said, Do you understand what you're reading? How can I, he said, unless someone guides me. So he invited Philip to come up and to sit with him. Now the scripture passage he was reading was this. He was led like a sheep to the slaughter. As a lamb is silent before its shearer, so he does not open his mouth in his humiliation. Justice was denied him. Who will describe his generation? For his life is taken from the earth. The eunuch said to Philip, excuse me, I ask you, who is the prophet saying this about, himself or someone else? Philip proceeded to tell him the good news about Jesus, beginning with that scripture. 
And as they were traveling down the road, they came to some water. The eunuch said, look, there's water. What would keep me from being baptized? So he ordered the chariot to stop, and both Philip and the eunuch went down into the water, and he baptized him. When they came up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord carried Philip away, and the eunuch did not see him any longer, but went on his way rejoicing. So what we're going to do is we're going to look at a little bit of what we believe real, like really, really fast. And if you're wondering what a eunuch is, go look it up later. But a little bit of what we believe. So we believe that there's a God, right? Three persons in one, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. You see that represented in, uh, in a passage like Matthew 3 and Mark 1. Uh, at Jesus' baptism, all members of the Trinity are there. We believe that Jesus is perfect. You want a real good passage about who Jesus is, and you're like, need to describe it to a friend? Go look at Philippians 2 or Colossians 1. That's what we believe about Jesus. And we believe in justification by faith. We talked about that a little bit in Roman Catholicism. Is that through belief in Jesus Christ, the Son of God, and his death and resurrection, that we can have right relationship with God, whose forgiveness was made once and for all through the death of Jesus Christ. You want good passages for that? Romans 5, 8, Romans 10, 9 to 11, and Romans 3, 23. So here's what we're going to do next. We're going to look at some things we say, and then we're going to look at some things we do and see if those line up. You ready? Pay attention because, like, I think what I'm about to say will hit home for a lot of us who've grown up in the church. So, what do we say? We say that love is unconditional because Jesus is love and because Jesus is love is. 1 John 4:18, 1 Peter 4:8, Jeremiah 31:3, John 3:16, 1 John 3:1. That track, everybody, I can kind of see you. Yeah, we would all agree on that. We say that Jesus tells us to forgive and bless our enemies, Luke 6:28. Right? Yeah? Yeah? We say that we really need to show the love of Jesus to those around us, Romans 10:14-15. Yeah, we say that. We say that we need to be able to explain the gospel to those who don't know it, 1 Peter 3:15. We say that we have direct access to God, like direct. We can talk with him through prayer and that it's possible to have an actual relationship with him. 1 Peter 2:5 and 9 and Luke 11, and John 17. We believe that the Bible is the Word of God inspired by the Holy Spirit and is useful for teaching, correcting, and training in righteousness. 2 Timothy 3.16, right? Yeah? Okay, we're tracking. We believe that we meet together as the church, the people of God, not just in the way we do it necessarily. Hebrews 10.25. So what do we believe? All those things. It's like, yeah, that sounds really good. But sometimes that's not the case, Right? Here's some things that I've seen in my own experience and in my own life the church do both here and in past experiences. We place conditions on love based on political alignment, action, religion, mental health, addiction, sexuality, character, pay grades, straight up annoyance, conflict, etc. We do that. We curse back. We choose to hold our wounds against our wounders, hoping that one day they'll get, what hap- that they'll get what they have coming to them. We share the love, but don't say who it's from. Or we hold back the love because no one has shown it to us yet. These people need to earn my love. They need to show me that they're worthy of what I have. Or we shrink in the face of persecution, or just the idea of it, because you're scared that someone might disagree, alienate you, Stop being friends with you because they don't want to be associated with you or life would just get uncomfortable. 
We run to distractions, escape mechanisms, addictions, people, things, releases, because prayer is too hard or nothing happens when I pray. We put the Bible down because, or we don't pick it up in the first place because it's not relevant. It's not interesting or it's not life-changing like everybody says it is. Too much work, too much to do, rather do something else. I just can't seem to get into it. We come to church, we sit, we leave. It's a service, not a people. It's boring, not getting anything out of it, not feeling connected, just a bunch of old people stuck in their ways. Nobody seems to be struggling with the same things I do. They all seem so happy, so I guess I should seem happy too. They have a family. I don't fit because mine's a mess. This doesn't feel or look like what happened in the Bible. It's too exclusive. Any of this hitting home yet? <laughs> so, what we say and what we do are very different things sometimes, and that's a hard thing to swallow. So how do we engage as Christians? I know we always ask, hey, how do you engage with so-and-so, or how do you talk to so-and-so who has a different worldview than you, but we're just going to talk about how we engage as Christians. We've been talking a lot, a lot, a lot about what other people believe, what other people do, what other people say, but it's time to look in the mirror. Here's what we do. You strip away those conditions. Get up and love like you desire to be loved. Invite someone for a meal. Go strike up a conversation with a person who's different than you, from a different place than you, believes something different than you, struggles with something that you don't, disagrees with you, voted differently than you do, lives different, differently than you do. Why? Because they're loved. You literally pray, maybe, that the person who hurts you would be blessed by Jesus, even though you'd rather go up to them and tell them everything that they did and why they're a horrible person. It's really hard to be mad at somebody while you're praying for them. You sit down and do the work of study to know why you believe what you believe. Or because maybe somebody one day will ask you why, and you will not know why. But not just for information, for transformation. When you know and are changed by the gospel, everything changes. You change. You sit in a quiet place and pray. You... Get rid of your phone. I'm not going to do that, but I got a live stream, so I'm not too worried. You pray for your family. You ask God questions. God is not too big for your questions, or He's not big enough, maybe in your eyes. He can handle what you got. You ask Him questions. You talk with Him. You listen with Him. You engage with Him because there is real relationship to be had. Prayer is the key to figuring out who you are. Y'all, anybody struggle with identity stuff? Yeah, I have. Guess what? Prayer is the place where you figure out where who you are and who God is. People change when they pray. Circumstances change when they pray. The world changes when we pray. Read the Bible. A.W. Tozer, a really old guy who's dead, said that if you haven't experienced the living Christ reading the Bible, then you haven't read the Bible. Oof. <laughs> These words, they're not dead ink on non-alive pieces of paper. They're words from God himself speaking to you and to me. Pick it up! Pick it up! You talk about wanting to be close with God, but you don't listen to what he's already said. 
It's here. And we come to the realizations that we were that to God, which those people are to us. And we take the initiation on the act of love. Because you know what will change people? The love of God. It's as simple as asking a server how you can pray for them. Little acts of Christ's love will go a long, long way. And be bold at risk of yourself. If you want the people to change, you need to know that you've been given the Spirit of God to do what He's asked of you. You can't afford not to. The people that God has asked you to go in love can't afford you not to either. Can't afford it either. This is a big to-do list, okay? It seems like, okay, Andrew, you want me to do a lot of things. So let me boil it down to two points. It starts with love. Because of A, who you are, B, who loves you, and C, what he did for you in that love. And number two, it ends with boldness. Why? Because of who they are. Because of who loves them. And because of what he did for them in that love. I believe in you. Philip strolled up to a chariot, to a stranger of a different skin color, who was reading a book in the Old Testament because he knew who he was. He knew who loved him. And he did because of what had been done for him. There's a shift possible here tonight. You are the church. Jesus wants to use you. Do you know that you're loved? Do you know who you are and who he is? And do you know that in that love for you, what he did for you? It sounds repetitive and you've heard it so many times and so many times and so many times. It's because it's true. And I think that's a better tape to play than what you're not. The lies that you hear. You were created by Jesus. You were loved by Christ. I am terrified of doing all of those things. I don't feel worthy to lead. I want to do what Moses says and say, God, send somebody else. Do you know how Jesus will begin to renew his city, though? It will be through small pockets of resilient disciples who start with something as simple as prayer in their schools. That's you. That's me. That's us. And he'll tell us the rest on the way. I read about the movement of God in Acts and how it begins. Prayer in a small room with a group of humans. Jesus is calling us to pray. How do we engage as Christians? We pray. We pray. Father God, thank you for your word. We look in the mirror and see a lot of the things we say and a lot of the things we don't do in light of what we say. And I just ask, Father, that you forgive us. Forgive us for our hypocrisy. Forgive us for saying that we're going to do things and never do them. Forgive us for, for going against what you said about us. For what you say about other people and we treat them, not as you love them, but as we think they should be treated. Forgive us, Lord. Father, you want us. You want to partner with us. You want to empower us to change people through your love and through the power of your spirit. So, Father, I pray tonight 
We would come surrendered, ready, if anything, just ready to love people with the love of Christ and to pray. And we believe that you will tell us the rest as we go. So Lord, forgive us. Now empower us. Tell us, show us what you want to do in our lives and how you want to do it. May your kingdom come and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven.